Hello and welcome to The Word Opened with me, Bramwell, from Holness Ministries. This is a weekly podcast opening God's Word, going through verse by verse and looking at what God's Word, the Bible, says. So over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the setup or the layout of the Ecclesia. Yeah, we've been looking through Acts 2 and we've been particularly focusing in the last few weeks around Acts 2 sort of verse 40. Uh, last week we were concentrating on looking at verse 42 you know, and, and laying down the foundations of what the Ecclesia should be based upon. Yeah, the fact that it's based upon the Apostles' Doctrine. It's based upon the fact that he, they, what the apostles learned through Jesus and from Jesus, that this is what you know, the 3,000 souls that were added on that day then devoted themselves to. They wanted to know, you know what is it? What did Jesus teach? They wanted to know this. They wanted to, to understand you because they'd missed it. They'd missed out on what Jesus had taught them. You know, he taught his disciples, and so they were wanting to know, you know, what is it that Jesus taught you? And so they devote themselves to that. They devote themselves to learning what has Jesus taught. Something over the weekend, um, since doing uh, last week's podcast, came to mind from Matthew 11 and uh, yeah this is the common uh, verse common verses that often are churned out when people are going through difficult times or had some difficult you know things that are going on all that sort of thing Matthew 11 verse 28 come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, Jesus is saying this. You know, those of you who are heavy laden, those of you that you are tired, come to him. He will give the rest. Take the yoke upon you take my yoke upon you in other words you know, be be joined with him you know, strapped to him that's what the yoke is you know, the the whole thing of the two oxen joined by a yoke you know, they they walk together and when one goes one way then the other will go the same way that's you know, that's what the yoke is Jesus is saying take my yoke so take his you his yoke don't he won't take yours you need to take his you need to be joined to him and learn from me you know whatever he does you do whatever he says you say we learn from him for i am gentle and lonely in heart and you will find rest for your souls in learning about Jesus in learning from him in learning what he did and how he did it we will find rest for our souls and that 
links with the apostles doctrine the apostles teaching because the apostles learned the same thing and so we are to come into that place of learning about him learning from him to do that you spend time with him and this is exactly what you know, these 3000 souls were doing they were learning about him and the holy spirit would have been teaching them as well so a foundation is to learn the apostles doctrine to learn what the apostles learned and also they continue steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers and we we unpacked all of that throughout last week's podcast so then we come to verse 43 and this then starts to become really exciting because they they continued steadfastly in these four things the foundation what then happens then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles weird one fear why fear come upon every soul when they put these foundations in you know when they had you know when they were learning from jesus about jesus when they were learning from the apostles when they were fellowshipping that whole thing of the intimacy with one another when they were remembering what jesus had done through the breaking of bread when they were praying you know when they were addressing god why is it then that fear came upon every soul you know the word fear here translates as dread or terror why because i believe because of their conscience you know as as they they'd already had their conscience you know pricked in regards to the fact that they recognized that they were sinful people but now they were having their conscience pricked as they were looking at the apostles doctrine as they were learning about jesus and learning what jesus had done and what he said and you know how he lived his life they were looking at themselves in that light and they were realizing what they needed to do how they needed to change what they needed to develop and so that's why fear came upon them yeah the holy spirit is at work but what is it that is said in 1 john 4 verse 18 that love casts out all fear so therefore love would drive out this fear and we're going to see this you know as we continue looking at this we'll see something where love comes into all of this so they became fearful they became there was terror within them of what was coming up you know, as they were seeing themselves in God's word, as they were fellowshipping and growing closer to one another. You know, as they were remembering what Jesus had done through the breaking of bread and as they were praying and spending time with God, you know, their conscience was becoming you know, more and more uh, pricked, if you like. And this is the thing. This is exactly the point that as we spend that time with him, as we do these things, as we spend time in church, in, in a fellowship of believers, our conscience should also 
become under fear. We should be starting to fear the wrath of God. Yeah, we should be fearing God. Why? Because we realize that we don't want to go back to that way. So we should have a reverential fear of God because of what we've done, where we've been, knowing that we're not there anymore, but we don't want to go back there. And we recognize what God can do. The fact that God has the ultimate power to send us into hell. That's where the fear comes from. And this all demonstrates that the Holy Spirit is at work. If people are sitting in today's churches and are not coming under this fear, then there is a question to be asked. Are they truly being ministered to? Are they truly hearing the word of God? Are those people that are standing at the front teaching actually teaching the word of God is the Holy Spirit at work in that place these are questions that need to be asked because fear should come upon every soul as they spend time learning as they spend time in fellowship and this is a key thing as well we've talked in the last few in, in previous weeks about you know false teaching and false doctrine and all these sorts of things you know this comes back to this because if you are not you moving along and and recognizing this sort of thing then you've got to ask the question am i in a foundational church in other words is the foundations of the church built on the four things that we've just talked about and that we talked about last week is it true biblical teaching is there a strong knit fellowship where people desire and want to and have a passion to come together yeah, and that they are close-knitted do they follow the the, the the remembrance of the bread of jesus dying on the cross through the breaking of bread do they did in, in that way do they eat together do they pray together Yeah, if these foundations are not there, then this reverential fear will not take place. And that is a telling sign. We are not in church to please ourselves. We are in church to learn and develop, to become more like him. We are in church so that we can become more like Jesus. And we're in church to be equipped to do ministry. If we're not being equipped to do ministry, you are in the wrong place. And it's time that you know, this is something that, that wakes up the church. Because we are not in a church to have a happy-go-lucky feel. It's not a social club. It's a place where our conscience should be moved and where we should be learning week in, week out. And what is then the repercussion of that? That there are many wonders and signs. There are many wonders and signs. You know, the foundation of the Ecclesia brings about wonders and signs. Where the Ecclesia is, there are wonders and signs which will follow.
if you are in a church again where you're not seeing wonders and signs you're not seeing you know miracles you're not seeing things happen you're not seeing healings etc come back to the question we've already asked are we in a place that has the foundation set because these are the things that we should be seeing so let's continue uh, with Acts 2 verses 44. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So they're learning all these things. They're, they, we've got the foundations. Keep coming back to these foundations because they are foundations. They're foundations of the Ecclesia. From the foundations then there is this conscience that, you know, that, that develops more. They have a reverential fear. There's a fear of God. And then they start to see wonders and signs. Now all who believed were together. You know, they... they all those who believe are together. They're together in one place. We're going to see a little bit later on that they're together in one mind as well. But they're together and had all things in common. The word common in the Greek is konos, which means belonging to several. In other words, they all belonged together. When you come into a relationship with Jesus, you belong. You belong to him, but you also belong to one another. You become a family, a family of Christ. You become the family and therefore you become brothers and sisters. You belong to a family. You're not outcasts anymore, but you are together as a family. So all who believed come together because that's what family does and they have the same thing in common. They have the same belonging. And so when the family of Christ meets together, they should all have the same focus, which is Jesus. This is why you cannot have an unbeliever in the body of Christ because their focus is not Jesus if you have an unbeliever in the body of Christ their focus is going to be somewhere else and they're bringing in division if there is division in the body of Christ then you are starting to get you know it's like where Paul writes about the the body yeah, and the whole thing of it being like a body and one part of the body can't do without another part of the body. Yeah, if one part of the body becomes diseased, then everything else moves to, to combat that diseased part. Yeah, the whole body then reacts to it. So if you've got somebody in your body that is diseased, then the rest of the body is gradually going to gravitate towards that disease. And this is, this is exactly the point. You cannot have an unbeliever in the body of Christ. It makes no 
sense. And this is what we have seen over years, you know, hundreds of years, where the church has opened its doors to everyone and said everyone can come in. If you have everybody come in and then you allow everybody within that church to become, to, to see themselves as a Christian, to see themselves as a believer, despite the fact that they may continue on their own pathway, despite the fact that they have absolutely no acceptance of Jesus, they may just go to church once a week and they do nothing in the week, they don't spend time with him, they don't pray, they don't spend time in the word, then you are not a body of Christ. Because you are not, in the biblical sense of what we're looking at, a believer together with the same mind, having things in common. And I know that this can sound hard hitting, but it, as I've always said, week after week, the whole point of doing this is for you to be equipped and for you to know the truth, biblical truth. This is not to, to knock anything or anyone it's to teach biblical truth. And so, and it just builds on the next part. In verse 45, you go back to 44. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Now, if you have unbelievers in your body, if you have people that don't take this seriously, are they truly going to sell their possessions and goods and give to those who are in need? Don't get me wrong, some people who are not in the fellowship of Christ, who would even say that they're not Christians, do give to the poor. I know that. But this is going a step further. Because look at what it says. They sold their possessions and goods. It's not the fact that they gave money. It's the fact that they sold what they had and divided among them. So they sold their belongings and then divided amongst them what they had. As anyone had need. For example... You have a washing machine, you give that washing machine to someone who's in need. You have a, you, you have a cooker, you give that cooker to someone who doesn't have a cooker, who's in need. This is what was happening. I appreciate they wouldn't have had washing machines and cookers at the time, but you, I'm sure you get the, the meaning and the gist of what I'm saying. They gave these things away to those that were in need. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And look at the point of this. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. It is for anyone who is in need. Within the body, within the body of Christ, you should share what you have 
If you see a brother or sister in need, you should share. If you have the solution to their problem, share it. You should share what they need so that they can function, that they can live. You know, somebody, I go back to the, the washing machine analogy. If you have a washing machine and somebody in the body of Christ is struggling with their washing machine, you then you should allow them to use your washing machine so that they're not walking around in dirty clothes or in the fact that they're running out of clothes. You know, if you have a cooker and somebody doesn't have a cooker, you share your cooker and allow them to cook their food. Or even better, you allow them to come and eat your food. But that's a you know, that's something else. But this is the point. You're sharing what you have to help the body of Christ develop. And this comes back into that whole thing of fellowship. The intimacy with one another. The close-knit group that you become the close-knit family that you become that is exactly what Christ intended because you are family and it's not a family within the world sense where you know families in the world sense have disagreements and they fall out with one another and all of those sorts of things this is the family of Christ the family of Christ should be working together, supporting one another, loving one another. This is what the Ecclesia set up to be. And you know, this links as well with uh, Acts 4. Because in Acts 4 verse 32, it says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that of any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. The multitude, those who believed, were of one heart and one soul. They were united And the things that he possessed were not his own. They had all things in common. Here they, they, were, they belonged to a family. And therefore what they possessed they realised was not their own and was to be shared. But this passage goes on even further and I want to pick this out. Because it says, And with great power... The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. This word witness actually translates in the Greek as testimony. And we've, we've talked about testimony before. That your testimony, what is your testimony? But your testimony should have what Jesus has done for you. What the resurrected Jesus has done for you. What the Jesus being alive today means to you what was the transformation in your life to realize that Jesus had gone to the cross had died on the cross for you but yet he rose again three days later 
That's the resurrection. What does that mean to you? That's your testimony. If you give a testimony that ignores that, it's not a testimony. It's not giving glory to him. And in verse 34, it said, we come back to the whole thing of possessions. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. Those who had land, those who had houses, sold them. They sold their land. And what did it say before that bit? There was no, anyway, nor was there anyone among them who lacked. People in the fellowship, people who came to the to, to Jesus, who recognized Jesus and their life was transformed through that, sold their land, sold their home, and gave the proceed to those who lacked. So that no one then in the family lacked. Everybody was equal. Yeah, there's no hierarchy of people within the family of Christ. Even though the apostles were the apostles and they oversaw things, there was no hierarchy. Everybody was seen as equal. And yet, in our churches today, there are those people who think that they are higher than other people. They think that they can lord it over people. Yes, we have church leaders. Yes, we are to respect our church leaders. Yeah, that's biblical. But if a church leader sees themselves as something bigger than what they are or who they are, we have an issue. Because Jesus was mightier and bigger than anyone. And yet he humbled himself. He came in humility. He washed feet ministry is the word service in greek a minister should be someone who serves things are not given to the church so that the minister becomes bigger and, and more wealthy and can have the, the jet plane to go around the world. That's ridiculous. It's not biblical. It's not actually honouring. It's not honouring to the people that they are ministering to. As I come back to, yes, it says about honouring your leaders. I totally agree with that. But your leaders should be honouring you in return. Yeah, this is the whole thing as well about, and I'll bring this up here, about marriage. Yeah, about the fact that you know, a wife is to submit to the husband, but the husband is to love his wife as Christ loves the church. When you break all of that down, it's the same thing, just said in different ways. So the wife is to submit but the submission is not about, oh, yes, I'll be a good little wifey and do what a husband tells me. 
It's actually saying, I respect you. And the man is the head of the household. And the man is to love the wife as Christ loves the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? Christ came in humility. He served. So therefore, the husband is to serve the wife. And what you start seeing is this whole upside down kingdom where the wife is lifting up the husband and the husband is lifting up the wife. And as they lift each other up, they actually become more humble in their relationship towards one another. It's not a fight for power. It's actually a reversal of that. And this is what we should be seeing within our churches. The same model where the, the church leader submits and loves his congregation or her congregation. That they love. And within loving, they humble themselves. And then the congregation humbles themselves by wanting to see their leader lifted up and honoured. And that's exactly how the church should be today. That's how Christ's Ecclesia was set up. And so we come back to Acts 2, picking up in verse 40. Uh, sorry, not in verse 40, we've had that weeks ago. Uh, picking up again, going back to verse 44. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. This demonstrates love. Because if you are together and you are providing and, and, and getting rid of something that you have to provide for someone else, you are demonstrating love. How many of us actually love our neighbour to that extent to give up what we have to help them out? That's how the body of believers should be working together. In loving one another. And if you're in a, you can see all of this and there's somebody that you see in the fellowship that you're in and you go, oh, God, I really struggle with them. Then ask Jesus to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit. You know, my wife once said to me, you know, she, she was struggling with somebody and she said to me that she'd asked Jesus to show her how he loved that person. And it changed her. It changed her relationship with that person. And what did it do? It showed humility. It showed humbleness. Because she was prepared to put herself under that person. And say, Christ, show me how you love them. 
You know, and this is the other element of things that people that frustrate and you struggle with. Jesus, how do you love them? Show me how you love them so that I can love them like you. It's the humbleness. It's the humility. And this is what the early church was like. And pick up these last two verses now. Verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. The phrase one accord we've had before. We had it back at the beginning of Acts. In Acts 1 verse 14 where they had... They they were together in one accord. They were together in the upper room with one accord. It's one mind. They were of one mind. They were focused on one thing. What was that one thing? Jesus. They were one-minded. They were focused together, united. We talked about being united earlier from Acts 4. They were united and they met daily with that one mind in the temple. They met together, one-minded in the temple. We always talk about the fact that, oh, house church, house church, house church. Yes, but they also met in the temple. Remember that these were Jews. Just because they had seen a risen Jesus, just because they had come to realize that Jesus was the Son of God and the Messiah, they didn't change overnight their whole religiosity elements. You know, they still were Jews. And so they still went to the temple. But the difference is that they also met in their home. They were glorifying God with the extended family within the temple. And then they were a smaller family who met Breaking bread from house to house. You know, it's like that extended family where you may go to you know, a, a birthday party or something where the whole family gets together. And yet on a on a daily occasion, you, you've got your family. You know, your immediate family. Here they met together with one mind in the temple, in the sacred place. They were breaking bread from house to house. They were meeting in houses, remembering what Jesus did. They ate food with gladness and simplicity of heart. You know, this whole thing within that element of, you know, they were joyful for what they had. They were joyful for what they had, what food they had. They didn't grumble about what food they had. They were happy. They were joyful. And in verse 47, praising God. You know, exalting is another word for praising. They sang praises in honor of God. That's what we're to do. We're to worship. We're to praise together. We're to praise God we're to honour God in our singing. We're to praise him. You know, I've said this before and I'll say it again. People that say that they are believers in Christ and then don't 
worship and praise and just sit there and have a chat or sit there and just you know, don't even bother engaging with it questions need to be asked because why would you not want to praise the one who has saved you from hell they were praising god and having favor with all the people and the lord added to the church daily those who were being saved with all these foundations the foundations of the apostles doctrine the fellowship together the intimacy together the breaking of bread and remembrance the prayers from that comes the conviction within souls conviction of you know, of, of people's souls that they recognized who they truly were yeah they've already come to jesus it's not that there's a conviction of oh my goodness i i don't even know who jesus is or i didn't and now i do this is another conviction that goes further of the reverential fear of god it's something that we don't talk about enough from those foundations comes the fear from the fear comes then the signs and wonders because god then gives them you know the authority the, they recognize the authority that they start to carry within that they then are in a family they recognize that they're in a family and that in a family they believe in the same thing they're united together they're of one mind and they have all these things in common and the ultimate com commonality is jesus and so what then happens in the family they sell what they have they share what they have so that everybody then is on an equal kill that they're all together and then the continuation of that they are meeting together in the temple they're meeting together in the temple it says daily they were meeting in the temple they were breaking bread from house to house we've already talked about that in acts 42 42 they were eating food together and they were praising god together they were worshiping and praising together this is the foundation of the ecclesia this is the foundation that we should be having in our ecclesia and i believe strongly that the lord is starting to bring this back together we're seeing certain denominations that are uh, biblical doctrine and you know, the apostles doctrine particularly what jesus it's just gone totally out the window and it's just weird and what's that doing it's created division but you know what that division within those doctrine within those denominations were already there because this is how these things have crept in if the place that you are in is compromising on god's word compromising on what jesus taught then you need to get out why would you want to stay in something that is not truth is not life is not giving true biblical teaching 
It's time to focus on what is the truth and to start preaching the truth. This is the Ecclesia. This is Christ's Ecclesia. As I say, I believe that the Lord is starting to move this again, to bring this back together. And it's through this that we will see revival come. But until the foundations are back in place, revival can't come because where would people go? When revival comes, there needs to be things in place for those people to be able to go into. And if there is not a biblical truth in what is there already, then the Lord isn't going to want to put people into biblical lies and false teaching. That's setting itself up for failure. We are going to see a move of God that we have never seen before. That's never been seen in this, on this planet before. And so everything will come into alignment. When will it happen? Who knows? I've no idea. But I have a strong, strong sense that it won't happen until the Lord has brought these foundations back. And he doesn't need you know, thousands of it. He could do it just with one or two. The question is, are you ready? Are you in biblical truth? Are you in the foundations of a, a, a biblical ecclesia? Because if you're not, then you're a stumbling block to what the Lord wants to do. And it's time to come back to this. The truth. Oh Lord, I just pray that, Lord, that this is just heard. Lord, that your truth is heard. That there's no messing around with this. That it is truth and it's grasped and it is revelation. This is time to speak truth. Time to grab revelation. Lord, please reveal by the power of your Holy Spirit, reveal your Ecclesia to every person that's listening to this. That they will grasp what the true Ecclesia is. And Lord, in this moment, I repent for all those that have been bound by religiosity and legalist legalism. Lord, I'm sorry for the way that the church has become and ignored you. Lord, will you bring a reformation within your ecclesia? In Jesus' name, amen. And that now brought us to the end of Acts 2 after goodness knows how many weeks. But we will pick up in Acts 3 next week. But I just pray, I do pray that this has enlightened you. And I know this 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 week has, has gone longer than normal. But I, you, I hope and I pray that there's been revelation for you. 
and I pray that this will you know, ignite you for biblical truth until next week God bless you stay safe stay protected may you know that you are loved God bless